0: Welcome to Texas Style Coworking. The Ranch office is a neighborhood community office that delivers a warm atmosphere with a heavy dose of Southern hospitality. Located in Memorial, Katy,
1: and Baytown, we offer private offices, conference rooms, event space, and much more. Come change things up and check us out. Remember, life is better at The Ranch. This views of the host are his own and should not be viewed as those of any business, corporation, or government entity.
2: Hello and welcome to the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast brought to you by AWS Energy. I'm your host, Joe Batier. This is the show where we bring you low-carbon, high-energy stories from the people solving the energy challenges of modern life. I'm here today with Bruce Stewart, CEO and President of Perch Energy. Perch Energy is enabling growth of solar generation. They do this through building connections between people interested in purchasing solar power and people building and selling solar power. What, when, how this works, this is what we're going to talk about today. So I'm excited to have Bruce on. Bruce, thank you for joining me on the show today. If you would please share with me in the audience your background and a quick introduction to Perch Energy
0: bet. Hey, Joe, first of all, thanks for having me on and thanks for um, your curiosity uh, on the community solar subject and the value that it can bring to to our market, right, To and to customers and uh, and to bring this to your listeners. So thank you for that. Um, so I'm Bruce Stewart. I'm um, um, CEO and president here at Perch Energy. Um, and what do we do, very simply? And I think you did a very nice job sort of teeing it up. but. Um, there's an opportunity here for utility solar, right? So you have to think of where community solar fits. And so I'll just do a little bit of a, a mapping here. So, um, lots of times people think about, oh, you're, you're in the solar business. Can I, do you put it on my rooftop? Do you put it on my business rooftop? That's will on-premises residential or business rooftop build. and, And then the power itself is consumed often by the building and the extra power is put back onto the grid. That's not community solar. That's actually you know, residential or business rooftop uh, solar behind the meter. It might often be called for folks in energy related terms. And the other one would be the other spectrum would be on the high end is a very large scale um, solar projects, and you might see them covering you know hundreds of acres of property, and they often connect into the um, into the utility grid at the transmission level. So they're very High wattage, lots of power produced, lots of homes served by it. You have community solar, which is a smaller format, generally about five megawatts. Think about that as sort of call it twenty to twenty-five uh, acres or so of size, depending on the locations. Um, and they'll string a few together, so you have twenty megawatts, or uh, of, of you know four different uh, five megawatt projects um, that they'll construct, and those will generally connect into the distribution part of the grid. So they're not connected into a business mm-hmm. or a home specifically. They also go into the uh, into the u- electricity utility grid. So it's easy. They're built off of, a, off of anybody's prim, uh, location and they're in a they're community based. So they're in a local mm-hmm. community. They could be on a lot of farmland, off of a side of a highway, on a brownfield um, location. So it's a nice repurposing with a nice renewable energy on a brownfield location. Waste yeah. dump. that's a nice a nice sort of um, a positive sort of uh, forward advancement um, And then once those are built um, the, our partners are the folks that build those right those are hmm. solar developers and asset owners that then own those for about 20 25 years. those are clean energy generating power plants right quiet hmm. and simple yep. but they're right there. Once they pr- start producing power, our clients hire us, right, to basically before they even start to go and acquire customers for those. You know, it could be mm-hmm. the local hospital. Those, those could be a lo- local dentist offices uh, and, you know, pizza, a pizza place or a business office, um, a warehouse. And they can also be uh, residential customers, apartment buildings, you name it. Our job is to go match that capacity, that solar farm with customers who will mm-hmm. subscribe to the clean power cool thing about it, Joe, is when you subscribe to that clean power off of that, you'll get a credit on your electricity bill. You'll get, then you'll pay that that credit at a discount to what the normal rate would be. So you will get a savings typically uh, between five, 10, 15, and maybe 20% if you're uh, qualify as a low medium income customer. Hmm. So that's the great thing. You didn't have to build it. You didn't have to invest in it, uh, but you're able to subscribe to it and, quite importantly, support the development of new clean energy generation. Really get it, get about that carbon, getting to sort of a carbon zero sort of place or a carbon reduction place yeah. with more clean energy on the grid, and you're able to generate savings from it.
2: Yeah, that sounds like a, that that's a, a great way to explain it and kind of where and how Big scale where community solar fits in. I I wanna I want to look at it a big picture to make sure I understand, and then we can start talking about I, I guess that is what community solar is. I want to make sure we understand where community solar fits into the larger picture. So let's first establish what that larger picture is. So right now, what is the solar market doing as a whole? And just out of curiosity, if you know, what is that separation between percentage-wise, rough percentages of of um, residential, community solar, and utility solar, as far as the solar p- pie?
0: Yeah. So, community solar is still – I mean, community solar has been around for a while. Utility sol- solar, uh, by its very nature, is going to have the scale because they're, they're yeah. very huge mega-projects. I can follow up with you on some Woodmack stats, but Woodmack has some great stats. And I, mm. I know I can give you some of them right off the top of my head, but utility, utility school by very nature is going to be have the largest scale. There's quite yeah. a bit of rooftop, whether that's, you know, business-based, you know, uh, carport mount, right? They can be at schools. You'll see them at schools. You'll see them at mm. uh, other locations attached to buildings. You'll see them on top of warehouses. If you're flying in and out of towns from time to time, yeah. you'll, and then you'll also see them on people's rooftops. And, you, and that – that will vary where you've got um, the capability for people and the investment for people. So California is really huge on a rooftop standpoint. You're seeing lots of new England markets are also fairly large on rooftop. And you'll see that through different parts of um, sort of the, the West, if you will, Arizona, New Mexico, all of those places as well. You'll see a great, uh, when you start to move down to the Southern markets as well and Florida and so forth. Um, so that's th- those are those are the dynamics. Community solar is coming into its own, and and really had some of the first community solar projects went into place in the uh, let's call it the late uh, late not, not 17, 18 timeframe. Um, and Massachusetts was one of those first markets, and the recognition was we're going to get pretty far, right? Um, with Utility solar, but that takes a lot of space and a lot of investment to build transmission capabilities. That's you'll read in the news today. It's like, geez, we can we can build power in these places, but we have to get the power from where it's actually being produced, whether it's wind or solar, into the dense population areas. Right. On the flip side is, yeah, there's lots of rooftop, but not every rooftop is. Hospitable for it, right? Because the sun may may not have the right uh, southern exposure. It may the, the roof investment in the roof, the underlying roof needs to be completely replaced. So maybe a cost issue. Hey, listen, maybe I don't own the thing. Maybe I'm a renter, right? So there's a whole aspect of able to afford or you know interest to afford that happens there. So what happened with community solar? And this is where the really interesting growth side is coming, Joe, which is. Market after market after market has enabled community solar to be uh, to be built in the market. So, New York is a thriving market, right? Massachusetts, Maine, um, New Jersey recently enabled, and now we have active live projects there. Maryland is actually growing rapidly as well. Virginia has continued to grow. Um, you've got Illinois that's actually adopted it and growing as well. California just passed one of the largest uh, bills. Uh, recently and 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 we're going to be enabling legislation uh, those rules to be put in place so that California which is already one of the largest solar markets will now be a you know a home to community solar projects as well nineteen states are already actively have regulatory uh, community solar enabled and projects up and running over forty different markets already have a version of of some community solar in it so that markets by states so it's quite it's quite, it's quite a large, um, quite a large uptake, and you're able to build them. They're smaller format, and it sort of solves the thing. You don't have to make the investment in order to get the benefit of net new generation and the savings that come from it.
2: Yeah, and I the that there's a few points you <clears throat> excuse me. There's a few points you made in there that I think are 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 important to to highlight for the listeners the the fact that large-scale utility-scale solar has the same kind of challenges as any large-scale infrastructure project. You have to have the transmission lines. You have to have the space to do that. And and then on the rooftop side, you have to own the roof. You have to make the decision to be installing it. You have to have the roof at the right angle or at additional components there. So community solar seems like it is this this opportunity that that is it's kind of like the Goldilocks opportunity where there is still a lot of need and a lot of growth opportunity. And this is where you can start fitting it in where other other situations haven't been able to fit in. So what are some of those specific growth triggers and how how have you seen community solar growing and and then Speeding in growth, is there anything recent thing off the top of my head? The Inflation Reduction Act. Yep. Have we seen any any significant movement associated with that, or or anything recently? Yeah.
0: Joe, I, lo- I love the question, and since you know, um, from a Perch perspective, I, I think I probably skipped over when I, I joined Perch. Down just just about a two years here, came in as as part of a Series A investment and. Raise another round because we're we're this investment is helping us continue to grow and we're seeing growth and you know we've you know we've already um, substantially grown our business. Um, we've doubled the number of cli- cl- clients that we serve. We've doubled the number of states that we're in, and we're doing that against <clears throat> you know the, 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 these these triggers, if you will. And what we're seeing is real growth that's happening in the market. So we're we're riding right along with that growth. So what are those triggers, right? I, and I love the question because. Uh, it's the kind of strategic stuff that we think about day in day out. You know, where is the growth going to come? What's going to compel it, and how do we be part of actually driving and compelling that growth? So, first of all, you know, you have this—you have this podcast, energy transition solutions, because you're meeting a need. There is public interest. Yeah. There's absolute public interest for um, understanding and, and for individual consumers on the consumer side of this equation. Say, how can I participate in? This energy transition how can i avail myself of clean energy solutions what can i do um and for a whole host of people um you know let's call it greater than 50 maybe even 60 percent of the people that cannot or will not be able to afford or don't have homes or businesses because they're renters and they're tenants that they can't actually do rooftop solar what is their option right what is their option to be able to avail and they'll, well, they'll get a, a sliver of it if you if the utility scale comes in and sort of changes the complexion of the grid a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, but the other way to do it is actually subscribe to community solar. So it's truly meeting that need for folks who really want to say, how do I actually purposely make a choice? How do I help the investment of more um, clean energy generation in my local community? Oh, and by the way, when I do that, I actually help create jobs, right? I help, you know, and, and I help at the end of the day sort of do my part. And, oh, good news, I get savings. So one is public interest is still there. And then the question is, follow that with policy. So public policy, state and regulatory policy. So what I've already told you before is that, yes, many states have been enabled, um, but you have additional markets. So Minnesota, which has always been um, a community solar market, is continuing to put new incentive programs in place or considering legislation to put new incentives programs in place, for instance. New York, which is a wide open market, as continuing to foster investment and foster the uh, community solar and multiple forms of solar development in the state of New York as part of their carbon uh, reduction goals. California, like I said, adopted it. Illinois, a huge, large uh, population uh, and, and market itself, has also built a lot of incentives. Virginia, the list goes on. Other states that are considering that haven't done it yet. You know, Michigan's, uh, Pennsylvania's, Ohio's, they're all considering those elements. Well, New Mexico just adopted as well. Hawaii just adopted. So you're really seeing the regulatory policy. Public interest, uh, you have to have a regulatory policy that continues to enable and support the development and growth. And then investment dollars. And think about investment dollars. Mm -hmm. We have uh, some of our uh, clients that are solar developers and, honestly, long-term asset owners are really really serious about putting a lot of additional um, solar capacity and community solar capacity specifically into markets where they have that right sort of regulatory and they have plenty of investment behind them to do that. Um, and, it, and then then next nextly, they need a partner to do it. So do you need a, a strong ecosystem of players to keep those triggers to keep that growth. You need players like us. So part of our recent investment that Perch Energy got. Uh, with an additional $30 million and, and the growth of our team, uh, and that investment came from Nuveen Impact Fund. That investment is part of our job to be the subscriber acquisition and management side to support the development. So you need that ecosystem to come in place. Then lastly, we do need a, one ele- additional element of policy, which would be getting these projects that are built and getting them cleared and then energized and onto the grid. But there still are, you will have heard that there are interconnection challenges, right? Yeah. Where there are projects that are coming on and waiting for different approvals, waiting for different permit levels, waiting for figure out how they can actually, how the utilities themselves can ultimately ingest that additional clean energy capacity onto, onto the grids in, in a multiple of markets. So that also needs to basically sort of ease up and get those rules sort of adopted so that there's plenty of capacity ready on the sidelines, ready to come in and plenty more to be built to, to be deployed.
2: With with that point, just real quick, do you see a that five megawatts that you mentioned earlier, there's obviously a, a space component to that and it's a lot easier to find tens of acres as opposed to hundreds of acres to, to put in solar. But do you see that, as far as getting onto the grid, is there is there any type of streamlining if you are in that five to ten megawatt range versus talking about fifty or one hundred
0: megawatts? Yeah, what, I mean there's there's always a it's always a little simpler given the size, but they mm-hmm. there it really depends state by state. Joe, um, it would probably be um, the right the right way to say it is. Um, the ability to, to put a smaller uh, capacity on onto a distribution grid is either easier than actually having all the underlying infrastructure cost to put that on, hmm. and and connect it to a transmission, a large transmission line, and the investment that goes in with that, yeah. and that's a different amount of power that the local utilities will have to ingest and then sort of manage. So, yeah, short answer is short, simple answer is yes, but you still need to think about it because often there's it's there's multiple five megawatt projects that assemble together and maybe it's 20 megawatts yeah. you're putting in. And so there's still are, um, you know, are still interconnection guidelines and studies and, you know, that, that still need to happen that still can complicate But what we've seen is our um, we've seen plenty of projects come online, but we, I just know that for the ultimate sort of accelerating of growth, we're going to need those interconnection rules and policies and procedures to bring more of that capacity on to basically sort of continue to break down the, some of the dams that are in place.
2: Okay. Okay. So earlier you, you explained kind of what community solar is. I think we've, we've talked through that pretty clearly at the beginning. So now I want to, want to think about functionally how it works as using an example. So as an example, say I, I, I grew up in Illinois, so very exciting for right. to hear that Illinois is going to have this community solar and hopefully we can see it everywhere. So let's assume I'm in Illinois and I'm a consumer. I want to buy green energy. What, what do I do? How do I do this? What,
0: what happens yeah. now? Love the question, and um, so uh, it's it is active in Illinois. Just to be so, so, so the good news is if you move from your move from your hometown here back to mm-hmm. Illinois, you'll you'll be able to subscribe. You won't be able to subscribe in Dallas. Sorry about that, Joe, but not just yet, anyway. Um, uh, and I'm a am I'm, I'm, I'm based in Chicago myself as well as I'll purchase in here in Boston too, sort of split my time. But so um, you're in um, let's say you're in Comed uh, or you're in Amherst. Right. At the end of the day. Yeah. And you're an individual consumer. You can, you, you can obviously do traditional sort of digital based search and say, um, is there a community solar project available in my backyard? And there are third party, you know, sites, uh, like an energy sage is an example of a site, which will actually post and publish, um, community solar projects. So we're on that. So, perch energy with projects in a variety of different markets you won't see us having projects just yet at the moment in in Illinois but we've we've got ones that are coming on will be coming online uh, but um, you'll you basically simply can sign up and you'll you'll go to a digital site or you could call the company like perch energy um, and you'll be able to subscribe so what does that mean so you'll you'll call and say hey listen I'm interested in uh, I'm interested in community solar can you tell me how it works and he said well, sure, it will take you, you know, less than five minutes to sign up for community solar. Okay, so how does it work? What do I need to do? Well, what you need to do is um, do you have a copy of your utility bill so we can get your utility account number and we can understand your consumption. So let's say you're a household that has, you know, um, from a, a kilowatt hours, 8,000 or 10,000 sort of kilowatt hours on an annualized basis, um, we'll, we'll be able to see that from your utility bill. And we'll match that size and we'll pair your consumption and map you over to that project. So the consumption that you are using in your home, for instance, will map to that solar farm and then we'll fill it up. And the way to sort of think about it, think about the old the old grade school thermometers, right? Like the, yeah. the, the you know community solar plant produces a, an amount of power and then we'll go fill it up with customers until the power produced, if you will, or the credits that, that are produced from that, although they, although they go onto the grid we will match you all the way up. And so we'll put businesses on there. We'll put residential customers on there. We could put, you know, apartment dwellers on there. um, You name it, all of those particular folks. So that's how it works. And then what we'll do is we'll sign you up. You will then subscribe to it and you will get a bill, right? And that bill will, you'll get credits for your consumption. And then you'll pay for those credits at a discount, depending on whatever the discount is that's relevant in that particular state. So let's call it a, a 10 or 15% discount. So if you had a, if you had um, credits that you were paying for for $100 worth of credits, you'd paid 10 to 15% off of those. That's your discount off of that. Then you that would be the discount that you're getting for that. So every month. So we would then sign you up. We would then let the local utility know that, hey, Joe is now a, a community solar a customer. Um, and we would work with the utility to make sure that you're recorded as that. And then we will, in, in, in uh, common with Edison, that will be a utility consolidated market. It could be a dual bill at first, but it's a utility consolidated market. And then that, that credit will show up there. And then that discount rate will show up on the utility bill. There are markets where it's dual bill, right? Uh, in which you'll see a zeroing out of that credit charge on the utility bill. And then Perch will bill you at that discount rate Last that ten or fifteen percent discount rate. That's how it works, and so you just it's nice and easy, and, and within a few minutes, mm-hmm. your name and address, your account number. Hey, how you know if you are paying by the utility? I don't even need payment information if you are going to pay us. And mm-hmm. hey, what's your you know what's your ACH or auto pay? Get you set up. The next thing you know, you are off and running, and those discounts will be there for the duration.
2: All right. Yeah, it sounds it sounds really simple and straightforward, easy to sign up. Why hasn't this been done before at a at a larger scale?
0: Well, I think we're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of, of the growth trajectory for this, and so hmm. there are a handful of states that started doing this early on, and now um, now, like I said, you've got nineteen and a lot of ex- other expanding markets, and state by state, there's continued investment in doing it again, there i think the regulatory and policy world is is seeing this as a really key option to bring more clean generation create local jobs right and to basically um, continue to give an option for folks who can't or won't or aren't able to put rooftop solar onto their you know onto their building onto their personal buildings or their homes and create an option for them to be able to, to avail themselves of a of clean energy through solar projects and get a discount so yeah. it's it, it it's really just at a it's it, it's a technology and a space that's actually on the rise. Mm-hmm. We can see that. Okay. So it's about six, you know, six gigawatts of capacity that that's put in market. And if you look at some of the statistics out there, that should easily double or triple over wow. um, over future years. So you're catching it. You're catching it at that right particular point in time, right where that investment is happening. Um, so what do we need to keep having it? Is you keep needing those regulatory policies. Really helpful if you, um, you know, if the rules that are being adopted market by market make it easy for customers to sign up, right? Um, which, which that's part of our job, right? To create education and awareness of don't appreciate that this is a, a great option out there for them with no investment. Most people think, oh, solar, I had to, I had to build and invest it, or I have to lease it, and I had to put it on my rooftop and. But so this is really starting to get some awareness and traction. Like it's a lot easier to subscribe to something in your local community than actually, you know, having to spend the time and effort to build it and you can be up and running and on these projects and generating savings in, in, you know, a very near, near time as opposed to waiting months for construction.
2: Yeah. And the, I think it's, it's really exciting to hear that and I just want to make sure that, that, we understand the there's savings for the consumer and you mentioned no investment from the consumer. Yep. And this is a, to keep saying, subscribing to the power. So I just want to make sure to understand, is there any price with that subscription or or anything like
0: that? Yeah. They're, they're, so signing up, right? It doesn't cost you anything to sign up for it. But you are actually getting credits equal to the power, so you pay for the credits, and you pay for those credits at a discount to the to, to the utility rate, right? That's the uh, getting it. You're paying for those credits at it with the ten or fifteen or five percent discount sort of included. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so let me make sure cost. You don't have to. Hey, please join, com- you, know, you know, Perch Community Energy. I'm not charging you five dollars just for kicks every month. That doesn't happen. It doesn't cost you anything to actually sign up. But the, the credits that you're purchasing at at a discount to the normal power rates, that 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 does cost money because that's that's yeah. paying for your power.
2: Yeah. Okay. So when we talk about the credits, let me make sure I understand. Basically, say I use 10 kilowatt hours of power this month, but I have I've signed up with Perch. I am saying I want to get power from community solar. Why? And I'm going to use 10 kilowatt hours. Well, I say I want to get the solar power. So now I've I've used 10 hour kilowatt hours of power. I am purchasing those from Perch and through the Community Solar Project. And now you're taking that and saying, okay, Joe has purchased this power. We're going to give him a discount on this power yep. because he has said he's going to purchase it from us as opposed to... The open, ComEd market.
0: Yeah, so I think I think the way the, the way to think about it is, um, once you've signed up for your community solar um, project with us, um, you will you'll get your normal utility bill. That utility bill will reflect your charges for your of your HVAC running, your heating running, right your um, refrigerators, your old household, lighting, all of that, all of those elements. That's your traditional electricity bill. So that's your supply yep. side of your electricity bill. A portion of your bill is for the transmission and distribution cost of keeping all the lines up and, and active, right? But we will give you, um, you will, when, when you're uh, acquiring it, you will actually be paying your utility bill for that power and we will give you credits. We'll give you credits equal to that, to the utility power that you are consuming, but we will then just give it to you at a discount. For the rate that you would normally pay utilities, so that that's how that's actually how it works. Okay. Okay. Yep. So. So if you're if you have, it's, it's almost put it in dollar cents because sometimes that's easier, Joe. Because lots, yeah. I know that lots of people don't live thinking kilowatt hours, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you say, hey, my you know if my bill is you know a uh, hundred dollars, um, you know a month. I will get a hundred dollars of credits. And then I would pay 90 cents on the dollar for those is the way to think about yeah. it. That's the 10% savings.
2: Make sense? Okay. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. So for the, for the consumer, is that, is that a, I guess, is is that always going to be a, a standard discount that's there by, by subscribing to the community
0: solar or. Yeah. So I the th- programs are set up. It's a great question, Joe. It's so the programs are set up in such a way that, um, When you subscribe to a program, there will be a designated—you know—it could be a five, ten, fifteen percent program. And once you've signed up for that particular rate, as long as you stay in your house and you continue to pay your bill, you'll be able to generate those savings. So we're we're always watching your consumption and making sure we're giving you the right amount of credits, so that we can try to, um, you know, optimize your savings to be around that expected amount. Okay,
2: yeah, I think that's that's helpful. And it's obviously obviously beneficial for the consumer because prices do just seem to continue to keep rising. So yep. if there's that opportunity to to save money on on a necessary expense like electricity, then why wouldn't we all be doing that?
0: right? And knowing at the end of the day that you know the elect you've helped you've helped incentivize the creation of that electricity generation from clean energy plan in your local market.
2: Yeah. Yep. So we've talked about, you You listed many of the states where this is possible, and you said, I think, 19, 19 different states, and also pointed out that correct, Texas. I probably
0: correct myself, 22, but yeah, 19 22 22. states have, okay. have passed enabling legislation, so I've tuned up on my number there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, so 22 states that where community solar is possible, it Texas not being one of them, why is, not using Texas as the example of why it's not possible there, but in general, I, I guess more, a better question, what needs to happen for the other 28 states to uh, to start enabling community solar development?
0: So, um, they, I mean, they can look at the existing underlying sort of rules that are in other markets and and make a choice to develop programs. The programs themselves come with incentives to incentivize the development of additional clean energy. So the, the state policy has to be: Do I want to create additional incentives for this particular uh, technology solution in community solar to be able to help you know create more jobs? And so it's really up to the individual state legislations and the governors to say, you know, what are we doing in our state to drive um, you know the continued advancement of and the fostering of clean energy development. Do they do they are they doing it on a, on a rooftop basis? Are they doing it on a utility scale basis? How are they sort of managing it, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody in, in Florida, for instance, Florida does it slightly different. Florida does have community solar, but it's administered by the local utility as opposed to being um, done by sort of competitive enterprise, right? And so okay. that's an example. So there are different flavors of it. So different different markets themselves will are are determining how they're going to basically look at how we're flying how we're power and how they're meeting their particular sort of carbon goals state by state. You know, that's how that's how it works.
2: Yep. Okay. Very interesting. Well, with that, I think the it, it it's pretty clear the the value and the the need an opportunity for community solar with that i'd like to switch gears go into my final questions these are the questions that i ask all of my guests okay and so <clears throat> that first question being what is
0: a favorite book of yours that you would recommend that's fun um so uh <clears throat> one um well i'll do i'll do we're sort of having climate conversation i know that. um i um, uh, it, it's a 2021 book so it's not uh, brand spanking new but gates did the book um how to how to avoid a climate disaster it sounds very ominous as a title but it's a really interesting um you know set of insights into the different uh, different uh, opportunities that we have as as a globe and as a world economy to basically sort of advance different solutions to for clean and renewable and others and so i i found that a really interesting book of, a good uh, a good deep dive uh into a variety of different solutions that we can take in and, and, and some macro economic and, and macro commitments we need to make as as an overall set of uh, markets economies and businesses so i thought that was pretty good um i thought it was a little interesting um peter thiel had the zero to one uh book which is a little more of a business book so i thought that was actually a fun a fun read as well which is really all about the pace of innovation and how do we think about innovation as incrementalism or as something new that we didn't see before that we now bring into market. And so that's really fun because I, uh, you know, as throughout my career, having been through broadband, cable broadband era, having been through an online web and and the transition for our world's living on mobile phones to now sort of an energy transition. I love the, I always love to think about how we are actually innovating both within all of us in our own, lives, frankly, you know, in our own particular roles, but also with our teammates and our businesses. Right. So, um, I found those two things quite fun to, quite fun reads.
2: Yeah. Those are great books to add to the list. Following up on that, how to avoid a climate disaster, since you've already (laughs) read it, my second question is how do we get to net zero? It's a little bit of a different spin on, on probably what, what Mr. Gates was talking about there.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's a journey, right? Um, and you know, there's there's a puzzle here, right? And there's it, there's no one way um, to, to get to the net zero. And um, but I do think there's lots of component parts. And so whether you're de- de- decarbonizing through wind, solar, hydrogen, people algae solutions, the question is are, are they scalable? Um, I do believe at the end of the day um, that. We, the 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 right way to think about this is a transition, as an energy transition. This isn't a, an on-off switch, right? Um, and the question is, um, how do we sort of thoughtfully think about new new generation capabilities being clean? How do we think about cleaning up even existing, um, you know, more fossil fuel-based opportunities as well? So uh, I really think about it that we're trying to serve a, p- a part of the puzzle. So if there's a large puzzle piece, mm-hmm. so you have a lot. Smart people sort of working on it, and one of the ways I think we can do it is think differently about our technology and our solution that solves some of the different problems through community solar. While another set of parties are thinking about hydrogen, while another set of parties are thinking about EVs, right, in the growth of mm-hmm. of uh, electric vehicles. Another set of parties are thinking about, you know, uh, removing carbon from the air, for instance, which are not yet scalable, but those are types of solutions. Other uh, parties are thinking about. You know, clean energy, albeit um, development of additional uh, nu- nuclear power plants. Whether whether you, whether you have an issue with that or not, it's still a clean uh, generating source. When you're thinking about wind, there's lots of different ways. And where you're thinking about simple energy efficiency, right, and yeah. reduction of waste, all of those pieces are key parts of the puzzle. Yeah. So um, that's uh, that. That's I think how we're going to get there. But we also we, we have to be sort of thoughtful about how we get there uh, through time as well. Try to move that ball really quickly, but also understand it. It will not be an, it's not an on off switch for Mike.
2: Yep. Yep. I like it. So now the last question, you actually get to ask me a question.
0: (laughs) What's most, what, uh, listen, you do a lot of these podcasts. You see a lot of things happening in the energy transition space, talking to a lot of folks. Um, what, uh, what, what, what things are capturing your attention and, 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 Capturing your mind that you think are really at that place of being able to to bust loose to make some pretty amazing contributions that you think are an X factor, if you will, uh, for our growth.
2: Yeah. Ooh, that's a that's a good question, and it's a it's a challenging question because it it's it's very. It is almost um, almost contradictory to what you said about the 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 way we get to net zero, and and I completely agree with you. It's a transition, and it's going to yep. require a a multitude of solutions. So, is there one thing that can actually basically get us there? And I I I don't think there is that one solution that's really going to take us all the way. Even I agree.
0: and I know Joe. I mean, I kind of was like I, I, I was looking for a kindred spirit <laughs> yeah, here. I, you, I just I'll, I'll cut in. i cut in on you to say like I agree. Like I think it's it's great to hear you say that, especially you know with this podcast because this there is no one trick pony here. that's yeah. there is no magic you know magic bullet right um, yep. that people are always looking for. This there's, there's a lot of hard work and it's interesting. Like book I references, there's a lot of different activities that can and should be taking place. Yeah. questions are the investment dollars there you know for us to be able to uh and the number of smart people working on different problems to sort of basically advance the ball to say how do, how do we become more energy efficient become more energy resilient right yeah how do we become more energy independent how do we uh, uh and that but then how do we also do that in a very transitional way right yeah understand that there are still plenty of, of fossil fuel uh uh, capabilities and dependencies in the market. And then how do we yeah. sort of thoughtfully sort of uh, make the transition?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think with that idea there, and and one thing, cause I know I, I am a geothermal geologist. I know all of my geothermal colleagues and be like, no, geothermal is the answer. And I, <laughs> I agree. Geothermal is a foundational piece, but when you think about geothermal from from our perspective, right now I'm talking to everybody, including those in geothermal. We're not just one thing. Geothermal is a is a title, it's an umbrella that has low temperature direct use heating and cooling. It has ground source heat pumps, it has electricity generation. It is it in itself is five, six, seven different technologies, yep. and then additional enablers on top of that. Yep. So Still, you need, you need a whole multitude of new solutions to enable just one thing of geothermal energy generation. But I think, Bruce, what you, what you said there is, is actually what that X factor is, is more investment. That, that as the X factor of what can get major investment dollars and the more investment – is going to speed the growth of all of the technologies. So it's it's not one technology; it is one one thing that will do it, which is major investment. Yep. I think well, that I think that's a, a good good answer.
0: <laughs> I would agree with you. Investment's always key, right? We got to have yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> time, absolutely time, energy, and money, right? Yep. yeah, yep. Well, Bruce,
2: thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to say?
0: No, other than uh, Joe, thank you very much. Appreciate the uh, the important discussion you you're having in, uh, on your podcast uh, and having awareness for community solar. So, thanks so much for taking the time to inform your your um, all of your all of your listeners. So, thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you again for joining me. And thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of the energy transition solutions podcast. If you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend and leave a review telling me what you're enjoying most or what you would like to hear more of. If you want more news and energy related stories, we have all sorts of energy related podcasts on OGGN. You can find them by connecting with us on LinkedIn or visiting the website. Finally, if you have any questions, comments, corrections, or have a story that you would like to share, send me an email. That email address is joe.beteer at OGGN.com. If you don't use email, find me on LinkedIn. And until next
1: time, remember to keep it low carbon and high energy. Join us again next week for another low carbon, high energy story on the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.